If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Nothing in the world makes me feel better than knowing that I've helped somebody, especially somebody who's been struggling, finally get it because I know what it's like to be so frustrated and not understand why I'm not getting the results that I want to get. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Joining me today to tell us her story is Tracy Russell. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, needle and thread attached at really high speeds. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted episodes that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan, on the first and third Friday of every month. These sessions are streamed live, so they're interactive, and you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. And in each episode, I do complete a project so that you can see all the things that go into that project in real time. And the topics are different and the styles of quilting are different, but it's just a chance for you to kind of look over my shoulder and see how the quilting really gets done in my studio. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles for the quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Because my guest today is a long-arm quilter, I thought I'd talk for just a moment about where you might start if you are interested in exploring machine quilting. So whether it's actually a long arm or a mid arm or even at your domestic sewing machine, you should start by trying out some machines and seeing how they feel and seeing if they suit you. So I advise for starters going into a shop which sells these machines. So again, could be a long arm machine, could be a domestic sewing machine. These shops are always willing to let you try out projects. And at a lot of quilting shops, you can actually rent time, for example, on a long arm machine and really get to know that brand and how it feels and its height and all of those things and the features on the machine. And secondly, find other folks that have a similar machine to what you're looking at. So these might be people that are in your local guild. You might find them in Facebook groups and ask the questions that you have because those people who have used those machines long-term will really have some valuable and practical information to offer you. You know I love my coffee. 
If you are interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. Thank you so much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Tracy Russell of Whirls and Swirls Quilting is an encourager. She made her very first quilt out of triangles and taught herself to quilt on a long arm machine way before YouTube University was a thing. And nowadays, Tracy finds great pleasure in helping new quilters flatline the learning curve, as she puts it, and find confidence in their own quilting. So she teaches both online and in her brick and mortar shop in Whidbey, Ontario, Canada. Hi, Tracy, and welcome to the studio this morning. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I expect it's not morning for you, I should remember. I'm talking to someone in a much different time zone. But I'm really thrilled to get a chance to chat with you. I've been following you since the early years of your YouTube um, demonstration videos, and that's been many months, even years. And so I'm really, really thrilled to have a chance to talk with you about that. Do you want to introduce us a little bit to your quilting journey and where you began before we get into the current long arming that you do now? Sure. Um, I started quilting in 2002 when my daughter was, or my daughter was born in 2002. I started quilting in about 2004 and I had a neighbor that lived behind us that wanted to teach me how to quilt, but she was like a mother earth kind of person. And every time she said that she wanted to teach me how to quilt, I thought that quilting was the same as the way she made cookies and bread which is everything was from scratch and she like pounds her own wheat I'm not telling a lie oh my goodness she pounds her own wheat probably delicious kind of stuff so when but... she wanted to teach me to quilt I was like oh thank you but no 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 thank you <laughs> um so then I was uh part of a parent talk group at um a church in the in Oshawa and my kids were little and it was it was just a place for moms to go every Wednesday morning and the wonderful ladies would take the kids and the babies to either the, the playroom or the nursery, depending how old they were. And it gave us moms a chance to not just be mom, you know, not just be moms, just get together and have people to talk to and whine about having to scrape jam off the floor and all that kind of stuff and just <laughs> just other people so we didn't things. feel so alone yeah um i was a stay-at-home mom and uh as much as i loved my children and i still just love them it, it was hard when you're home alone all the time with with three little kids so it was a great outlet but every week they would have something um extra after we would just have our talks or whatever, and then they would have like a speaker. And um, one Wednesday morning, a lady named Karen came in. She was actually a teacher at the high school that I went to. And I didn't have her as a teacher when I was in high school, but I knew who she was. And she came in and she did what was a trunk show. I didn't know it was a trunk show. Um, all I had done up until that point was make Halloween costumes for the boys. So my sewing um, my sewing uh, experience was extremely limited and I had not had any interest in quilting at all. I painted and I drew and I used to love doing stuff like that, but not much to do with a sewing machine. And then Karen came in and she started throwing all these quilts on the floor 
and quilted vests and jackets and um, she'd embroidered jeans all up the legs and all this kind of stuff. And she had us trying stuff on. And I got so excited and so inspired. I went home and I had some fabric left over from something that my mother-in-law had made or helped me make. It was like a little quillow thing, you know, with the, the, right. just the blanket that stuffs inside the pocket kind of thing. Right. Um, and I cut a triangle out of a pizza box lid. And I plopped it down on all this purple and white fabric. And I traced with a pen from the kitchen around this triangle cardboard box and cut it all out with scissors and used this old Viking sewing machine that my mother-in-law had given me because as a married woman, I was supposed to know how to sew. And um, I made this cute little quilt for my daughter's doll. It's not much big. It's maybe, I don't know, 30 by 40, not even, just little. And it's pinwheel blocks. Didn't know that either. I just cut out a bunch of triangles and put them all back together. Kudos to you for embarking on triangles to begin with. Well, I didn't know it was hard. Right. Right. And that's part of that's part of what I've learned over the years. If you don't know it's really difficult, if nobody tells you it's hard before you try it, then you're willing to try it or you just try it. But if somebody had said to me, oh, no, 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 don't start with triangles. You should probably start with squares. Then I would have got a little, I would have got overwhelmed by it and I probably wouldn't have even attempted it. But I was so in the moment from Karen's demonstration. And uh, so I put that little thing together and then I quilted it. And it was the quilting part right from, right from that moment on that old, machine no walking foot but just watching the stitches sink into the fabric was just magic there's nothing like that transformation from two-dimensional fabric to quilt right and that's what you were seeing Mm -hmm. yeah so i just stitched in the ditch again i didn't know what that was i just figured i would just follow the lines um and then I didn't know anything about binding either. So I went to the F store, which is Fabricland, and I bought some lace, like, you know, sort of trim lace sort of thing. And I just kind of folded all the edges of the quilt in and I top stitched the lace onto it so that it looked pretty on the top. That was my first quilt. Perfect. Then I was hooked. So, so when did you meet your first long arm quilting machine? I made that little quilt for Lucy's doll, and then I went haywire. I did an applique dinosaur quilt for my middle son, and I cut out all these big dinosaurs out of dinosaur fabric and applique it all on. And I was looking for some fabric for the backing, and there was a place about an hour, two hours away from me, and they ordered me some dinosaur fabric. And when I went in to pick it up, I had all three kids with me. And um, we went in to pick up the fabric and the lady was busy and she said, I'll be with you in a minute, just walk around. So I started to walk around. Of course, I've got the baby and then I've got the hold of the one arm or, you know, the one kid's hand and the other little ones hanging on to my belt loop. And I'm saying, we don't touch anything, you know. And as we went past this door, the doors were open and... As we went past the door, I looked inside and there were three long arms set up in this huge room. 
I am not kidding you. I saw this light come from the heavens and I heard angels singing and I actually got goosebumps on my arms. I didn't know what they were called, but I knew exactly what they were for. Instinctively, just knew. And I toddled back over to that lady and I said, what are those and how much are they? And oh she boy. Said, those are long arm machines. And she told me how much they were. And I cried all the way home. <laughs> because oh boy. That was a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then I just, I just thought about them and thought about them and thought about them. And then four years later, I, uh, I bought my first long arm, never touched one. I didn't touch one that day in that lady's shop. And when I bought my first long arm, I never test drove it either. I just called the company and ordered it. I love that. And just reading what you wrote about it in your, just your about post on your, on your um, website gave me goosebumps, honestly, because that feeling of, I have met my medium. It was kind of like that for me too. So that just struck a chord in me that, you know, unlike you, I've never thought of myself as artistic. I was not a sketcher or a painter or a quote unquote artist in any way until I found the medium of, you know, mechanical needle and thread. And that just was it for me. And then the sky Mm -hmm. is the limit. Okay. So you got your first long arm machine and you dove in and started quilting. It seems like you are a dive in kind of person. What were some of the first projects you did? I'm definitely a jump in and figure out how deep the water is once you're in it. (laughs) Um, I will say, though, when the machine arrived, my husband set it all up. And then my euphoria turned into sort of despair. It was my first year was horrible. There was no YouTube. Right. Or forums or even email lists or anywhere to get any kind of support or lessons. So I had to figure it all out myself. Um, From tension to threading to figuring out how to load, like there were no, no tutorials. My manual, my manual wasn't even like complete or, you know, with pictures or anything. So it really was a struggle. And I don't know why I didn't give up except for the fact that I had to pay back all the money I borrowed to buy it. And I didn't really have a choice. It was sort of feet to the fire kind of thing. Um, but I started to get the hang of it. And then I started to quilt for people. I was working at a quilt shop in um, Oshawa. We were still living here at the time. And I would teach the, the piecing classes. And then my students started just giving me their quilt tops at the end of the class and telling me to take it home and do my magic. And that's how I started quilting for other people. Got it. So yeah. ab- about when in that time frame did you start producing YouTube videos? Like you clearly have the heart of a teacher and that just shines through. So like I said earlier, I met you when you were doing some of your early series on um, 100, did you call them freehand or free motion designs? But literally quilting was a hundred designs in a hundred days. Okay, okay. So early on in that time frame is when I first came across you on YouTube. But what made you even think of this way of reaching out to people, or was it just this desire to help other people not have to go through the hard process of learning that you went through? Well, honestly, 
I had seen, I mean, YouTube was starting, YouTube was a thing then. And I had seen other people putting some videos up and I thought, well, I could do that. Like, that would be fun. Um, of course, figuring out the whole camera system and all that kind of stuff was, was a lot of trial and error. But I, I put out a couple. And of course, if, if anybody listens to those first ones back in 2015, it started with, hi, this is Tracy. I'm going to show you something. You know, like I was just, I felt like such a weenie in my basement talking to basically myself, right? And then someone said to me, just pretend there's someone standing beside you and you're just trying to explain to them how you do it. And then it didn't take very long. Um, the videos got longer very quickly. And then it got to the point where I just wouldn't shut up. It was just like, hey, everybody, it's today we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And I just got really comfortable. And then I was getting the feedback. And I love, absolutely love seeing people's light bulbs go off. Or like when I teach my boot camp class here in the shop, I've had students cry because they've tried so for so long to be able to do a specific thing, say feathers, for instance. And one of my students, when she left, she was in tears and she hugged me and she's like, I have tried for these, these for years and I just, I couldn't figure it out. And I'm telling you, nothing in the world makes me feel better than knowing that I've helped somebody, especially somebody who's been struggling, finally get it. Because I know what it's like to be so frustrated and not mm -hmm. understand why I'm not getting the result that I want to get. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um and I just, I just love it. I love, I love it when they get excited and they get inspired to try new things and not be afraid as well. Because fear is the biggest thing that's going to just kill all your creativity if you're afraid or you're nervous or, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out right. Um, and you, so, you alluded yeah. to that earlier. You were talking about, um, you know, not worrying about whether or not someone tells you it's difficult, just just starting on the thing that inspires you and the thing that's interesting. And, you know, you were talking in relation to piecing at that point, but I think the same is true of quilting. You don't have to approach it in this sequential approach kind of idea. First do this design and then this design, this design, just whatever appeals to you, dive in and do it because mm -hmm. that's where the, your enthusiasm is and that's where your interest is. And yeah, we could get really excited about this, couldn't we? <laughs> we could. And it is exciting. I find with my students, if I teach them, when I, when I try to teach, we start at the beginning. And I use the analogy of a house. If you are standing in a construction site and you're looking at a house and it's all finished, the idea of building that house by yourself is it's, undo it's undoable. Mm-hmm or impossible. But if you start by, okay, you've got to put a foundation, a foundation down, and then you're going to put some walls up. And then you're going to put some drywall on the walls. And then the house gets built step after step after step. So instead of your first kick at the can being heirloom Amish feathers with those big, you know, curling, whirling, beautiful things, let's start with the pearl and how to come on and off the spine. Because if you've got the foundations, then the more quote unquote difficult stuff isn't difficult when you break it down. So true. And take it in baby steps, right? So true, so true. 
So yeah, changing topic just a little. I believe that in a lot of your early videos, the machine you were using had a, a constant speed. Is that right? Yeah. So, I was on, um, the first ones were an AP, I did them all on my Lenny, an APQS Lenny. And I just popped the stitch regulator off because I like manual mode much better. So maybe for our listeners, take a sentence or two and define what the manual or constant mode is compared to a regulated mode and what it is that you prefer about one over the other, or maybe what situation calls for one over the other. Sure. So stitch regulation is um, where the machine regulates your stitch length for you. There's an encoder on the carriage, and then there's also encoder. There's also an encoder on the machine. So the machine reads your vertical and horizontal movements. Um, so as you speed up and slow down, as you're moving the machine around, the machine's motor will speed up and slow down with you, right? So I can move the machine super slow. I can speed up. I can go really fast. It's not going to make any difference. Those stitches are all going to be whatever stitch length is set on the machine whether it's seven stitches, 15, 10, whatever. Um, the bonus of having the stitch regulator on is if you're doing a design, and of course, I always use the stitch regulator for stitching in the ditch, um, going around applique, ruler work especially, I always use the regulator. Even when doing pantographs, the rental customers that work in my shop the regulator's always on because they don't have to think about anything then, right? Um, but for me personally, for free motion, I like to take the stitch regulator off and I work in what I call manual mode or some people call it constant speed. And then I'm setting the speed of my motor. And when you hit that button, there's no hesitation. The machine is just going to start stitching. So the needle is firing up and down. It doesn't care if you're moving the machine or not. So I actually have uh, on my YouTube channel, there is a video um, turning off the regulator or stitch rig. I can't even remember what it's called. It's a couple of years old. But I basically explain how to start without the stitch regulator on. And the trick is to find the right speed for the application that you're doing, right? right. So if you're doing an edge-to-edge big designs and you're dancing all the way across the quilt, you're probably going to have the motor speed faster because you're moving faster. You're moving, um, you're doing bigger movements and making larger designs. A lot of questions I would have when I was doing all those videos was what speed is your machine at? doesn't matter what my machine speed is at because I drive my machine different than you're going to drive your machine. Then Jill is going to drive hers and Tammy's going to drive hers. So when you're in manual mode, you have to find your own speeds. And the trick with it is to always make the machine work with you, not the other way around. It's just a machine. So start stitching. If you feel like you're being pulled along or you're starting to get that anxious, like, oh, I got to move quicker feeling, you don't have to move quicker. You just turn the motor speed down so the needle's not firing so quickly or the opposite. If you're pushing the machine through and your stitches are super long and you feel like you're shoving a wheelbarrow through mud because you're trying to move the machine so quickly, you don't have to slow down. You turn the motor speed up on the machine and make it go as fast as you are. And I'm telling you, when you find the sweet spot, 
is magic. That is a really great description, Tracy. I too like to do a lot of my you know, freehand or edge to edge work in that manual or constant mode, there's something smoother Mm -hmm. about it, partly just because the sound of the motor is smoother. But there's also that regulating process does put just a smidge of drag on the machine, too. So it really smooths things out. And I think it really builds your skill, too, because you're able to focus just on smoothness. I've overused that word, but just that um, very graceful and even movements. And it makes beautiful quilting. Well, it is too. And it's sort of, you're listening to the machine purr. I find for me, like I said, the stitch regulator is really important and we're very lucky to have them, especially with things like ruler work and stitching in the ditch when you're, you know, you you need to pause as you're changing direction. Um, But I find for me, if I'm stitching freehand in regulated mode, it almost makes me feel like I want to like, you know, zhush because the machine is doing that and it's it's the chicken or the egg you know am i making am i doing it or is it you know what i mean i do it's very hard to explain Mm -hmm. but when you get into that manual mode and the machine just like it's it's almost it's hypnotic you know and you just and you find your rhythm and you find your your groove you are your own stitch regulator at that point um it's just wonderful. And it's nice to have the option of both. I agree completely. I agree completely. I saw um, an interesting phrase. Again, I was reading your, your about um, segment of your website and you were talking about teaching and that one of your goals for your students is to flatline the learning curve. And I love that description because I feel like learning freehand quilting particularly, can seem like a mountain, right, to the newbie. Mm-hmm. So I wondered kind of who who is the person that you're trying to help, whether it's on your YouTube channel or whether it's people coming into your shop. Who's the ideal person that, you're, that you can really offer help to, Tracy? Well, I find, I think everybody should be continuously learning. I'm still learning. Uh, True. I learned a lot when I started teaching. I, I learned more by teaching other people, you know. Um, I started to learn myself why I know things. Does that, does that make sense? Um, in trying to explain things to other people, all of a sudden I was conscious of why I do that, where that I had never sense. really thought about it before. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody would ask me a question about something and then I'd have to think about how I know that or how I knew to do that. And it was all trial and error. Um, I really, I love the newbies. I love the nervous ones. Um, I'm not someone who's had a lot of self-confidence in my life. So when I see somebody come in, whether it's my online class or in the shop here, or even people who comment on YouTube, that they're excited about their machine and they have so much fun and it makes them feel so good about themselves and they never thought they could do that. And now they know they can do it. It, I just love that. I love that because it gives them the confidence Mm -hmm. to keep going and to keep trying more things as they build their confidence. And it's just, it, they light right up. 
It's just wonderful. So good. Okay, tell us, Tracy, because you do have a brick and mortar shop, where is that located? Because I'm a fellow Canadian and I want my Canadian friends to be able to find you. Awesome. I'm in Whitby, Ontario, which is just about 30 minutes east of downtown Toronto. Okay. Uh, my address is on my website. It is an APQS showroom, rental studio, education center. I do repairs. I'm a certified technician with APQS as well. So I wear an awful lot of hats. You sure do. Um, I have a lot of supplies and I do. Yes. It's a lot in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's lots of supplies in here for long armors. There's threads and rulers and stencils and powders and marking tools and machine parts, accessories, all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty fun place. It sounds like it. It's a creative space. Really, for anyone in Southern Ontario, that would be a fairly easy jaunt. And I think you, you, you offer a really broad range. Like long-arm quilting shops are not all that common. They're not that thick on the ground, right? So it's a treasure to find one that stocks all these things in one location that you can physically handle and touch and talk to someone about. Oh, for sure. And it also gives people a chance to learn about long-arming without, I mean, not everybody's going to buy a long-arm the way I did. True right? Like, you don't just, I mean, somebody lent me money, and I just made a phone call with like all impulsive, like, right. But um, with the rental studio, people can come here, take a certification class, I teach them how to load, teach them how to set up a pantograph, all that kind of stuff. And then I walk them through quilting their quilts. And then they can come here and rent time by the hour and finish their own quilts. I mean, I quilt for other people as well, but, you know, there's a a good amount of quilters who don't just want to be toppers. They do want to be able to say that they did the whole thing themselves. So Mm -hmm. while they're here, I teach them and give them the guidance. And I don't care if they're at the back doing a pantograph or if they're freewheeling from the front. Whatever makes them happy. That's a really great service because... Owning a long arm is not for everyone. It, it is a significant investment and not everyone wants one of those in their basement. So then the answer is to find a studio That's like right. yours where you can just get one by the hour whenever you need one. And when you don't need one, it's all good. Absolutely. And if you're confused or you need some help, I'm always here. So they're never on their own either. True. True. And I can just, honestly, I can just see your teacher's heart and anyone that watches your YouTube videos will see that too. Just you, you have a skill with words and a way of imparting ideas in a sort of non-threatening and non-scary way. So good for you. Oh, thank you. So before we go, Tracy, do you have any little gem of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? It can be about your quilting life. It can be about life or creative life in general, anything, little thought that you'd like to leave with us? Try all the things, even if they're scary. The older I get, the more I'm taking that to heart. I got my motorcycle license two years ago. This summer, I'd like to jump out of an airplane. Do it. I mean, who does that at 56? (laughs) Tracy Russell. 
<laughs> I haven't told anyone in my family that I think I might want to jump out of a plane this year because they might just lock me in my room. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to learning about free motion quilting in, in particular, the first thing I need everybody to understand is they have to be good to themselves and be patient. We teach children and we have so much patience when we're teaching children. Yet as adults, if we try something once or twice, then those voices start, well, I'm never going to get this. I just can't, I can't do that. I suck at this. I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, we certainly don't talk to children like that, right? Mm -hmm. So allow yourself time. Don't give up. Don't strive for perfection, um, especially when free motion quilting. If you want perfection, you need to just buy yourself a computerized system and let the computer stitch it out, right? Um, freehand is organic. It's your own handwriting. Your leaves will look different than mine. That will look different than everybody else's. So, and take your time and don't ever compare yourself to anybody else. Because we only ever compare ourselves to people who we see are further ahead of us than us or thinner than us or have more money than us or who are more put together than us. We never look back. Do you know what I mean? I do. So just be patient, be kind to yourself and just enjoy the process. Honestly, enjoy the process. This is supposed to be fun. I agree. Cool. Oh, there's a lot of wisdom. Fun. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Thank you for all those thoughts. Well, oh, you're welcome. I wonder if you have any projects or classes or even online classes on the horizon that you'd like to share with our listeners before we go. And we'll mention these things in the show notes too. Sure. I have an online class that's available on my website at the moment. Um, I do have a long list of new videos that I want to make, and I am going to do the live videos again. I think I might only commit to four weeks this time. Let's just define it. By live, you mean you're actually going on and live streaming so that it could be interactive, right? People could ask questions while you're quilting and get involved in the process, right? Yeah, they were, um, they were Monday night live videos, and each week was a different topic. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to be doing those again. So if anybody here isn't subscribed to my YouTube channel, if you do that, um, you'll get notifications of when that happens. So uh, I'll start that again. And I do have some online classes that I have in the works, the planning stages. I just need to get them filmed. All right. So I'll yeah. put links to your YouTube channel and to your website. Um, in the show notes. So anyone that's interested in those classes can find you easily. How's that? Perfect. That would be awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me. And I hope you have a great rest of the day and week in your quilting studio. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. It was great to meet you in kind of person. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcast? or the listening app of your choice. I've even left a link in the show notes. And do share this episode with your friends as well, who you think would enjoy it. It really helps other listeners to find the show, so they can enjoy these stories too. Plus, I would love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, 
email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. 